This episode of Pot of the Jam is rated S for spoilers. You've been warned. Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool. Bro, how you not scared of this, man? Couldn't see another brother around here. Chris was just telling me how he felt much more comfortable with my being here. Get out. Sorry, man. Get out! Yo! (laughs) Welcome back to the penultimate episode of Pot of the Damned. This is the second last one for us. Uh, we've it's been a journey. It's been a ride. Uh, it's there's been some ups and downs. There's, you know, I, I, love, I promised I wouldn't get emotional. I love that <laughs> you all say this because I'm like, I still have to edit them all. So <laughs> my brain's thinking. Very and when I say there's been some, there's been some downs. You know, we're talking like Black Swan, and there's been some ups. We're talking Slumber you? Party Massacre too. Absolute and- dare. <laughs> Can I? I just. I mean, anyway, I'm sure. The glory of somebody Musket too, and the song. It's just so crazy. Oh God, that song, unbelievable. I'm sure with the best movie taste of the whole show. I'm Dean with better movie taste than Shorey because I said so. And I'm M with the best of them all because I'm the doctor of pop culture. Exactly. You're the doctor. <laughs> Oh dear. No, this has been such a bloody joy doing this. Ah, didn't even mean that pun. But <laughs> it's just because I'm so English. It's such a bloody joy doing this podcast, honestly. And like just getting to the three of us to share in our different perspectives and tastes in the horror has just been so, so much, much fun. fun. You so know, much it's the second fun. last episode. We can we can oh, dive yeah, no, down no, no. memory lane for the last one. We will. Yeah, and we, we will. We will. will. <laughs> All right. Well, much like the the last episode, um, we are talking again about classics. Uh, and much like the last episode, we didn't. We don't have an MD no. and Shory's pick. No. We no. just have three films that we all agreed uh, just absolutely slap. So as, yeah, as we were heading towards the end of this, I think uh, you'll find with a lot of it, we started to go. Well, what's going to fit well within it? as opposed to I want this one and I want that one because there's Absolutely. only so much we can dive into in the genre. And where yes. classics is concerned, there are some that always stick out. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And I should say, we should have said this in yesterday's episode, um, these classics are presented in no particular order. Nope. So this is, don't we think that anything dropped- is indicative of, of one being better than the other. Because I've been editing, you wouldn't have been listening. Because I've been editing, we start at the start of doing this podcast very much with a our least favorite at the start, then middle, then mm. favorite. Mm. Actually, today we're uh, today is the day that episode nine comes out online. Um, episode eight or seven are the ones where we throw that out the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we, we literally we literally throw it out the window, and it, so by by the seventh recording, which was actually, I know I'm jumping around in my head, it was the first day out of lockdown in June, uh, Aww, out of lockdown four that we recorded, memories. and we were so excited and loved the film so much that we actually threw out the preference yeah. order. Well, and I think also over time, what started to happen is we would have episodes where, uh, you know, there was a film that one of us loved and one of us hated or, or two of us hated and one of us or, or whatever. So it became more difficult to kind of say overall what's the 
best and worst because well, we just even, all have different perspectives on them. Even though we were having three different picks, the point was never to hold them up against a different lens no. for each other. Oh, I really? Think that no. was, well, I you mean, mean we weren't meant to just be judging each other this I mean, whole time? I mean, the sequels episode doesn't better count. Films. The sequel episode <laughs> doesn't count. But I think the thing with it, with I know, and we'll once again, let's get to the movies in two seconds and not this. But I think the thing about it all is that was us finding our rhythm as well mm-hmm. as podcasting yes. together. Oh, you know, we've done, yeah. we, we're friends, we chat, we do all this stuff, but getting that rhythm in podcasting, I think that helped. But anyway, let's talk about not. the films. Yeah, let's talk about the films. Um, Nostalgia you, you, is for tomorrow's episode. Yeah, I was about to say, you've, the, the, the listeners have all gone on that journey with us. They're like, all right, we've done it. So let's just talk about the films. Um, okay, so the first film that we're going to talk about today is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yes. Oh, I had never seen it before. Nor had oh. I. <laughs> Nor so, had I. Five friends head out to rural Texas to visit the grave of a grandfather, of a grandfather. On the way, they, not theirs necessarily, just someone's grandfather. On the way, they stumble across what appears to be a deserted house, only to discover something sinister within, something armed with a chainsaw. Ay, ay, ay. I mean, this is yeah. a classic, right? Oh. I've, I've, seen, I've seen the very end scene on the road. Because ah, YouTube is the dance. and I do and I yeah, do okay. Halloween trivias. So yeah, I'm sure, not sure. but you know what? There's another extra level for this as well. Is that just before we started um recording this podcast today, a friend of mine just put up some of the horror films that he was watching on on um Instagram on his Insta story, and one of them was a picture from Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I'm like, oh my god! I, while I was getting introduced, I'm like, I, I literally watched it for the first time last night. And we're about. And what did you think? Well, we're about to talk on a podcast, and I did say to him, "Tell me what you think, since you watched it for the first time, and I'll mention it." And uh, what okay. is what are we doing shoutouts now? What he <laughs> actually said was. Um, the picture of in, that end shot, he said, it's just a man wearing someone else's face or wearing makeup, dancing with a chainsaw in the sunrise. It's just, um, and what did he say? It's, it's, it's just so beautiful to see if you mute it and take out the sound. I'm like, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. If you put some joyous right. music over the top of it with some different lighting, that would be oh. just a guy having a bit of fun in a field. He's, he's given a bit more explanation that I'll come back to, but I love that he's literally like, I rewatched that end bit, and if you put it on mute, it's really beautiful. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that's terrifying <laughs> on every level. No, possible. I can kind of so, I, I mean, it see. is, but, and I did just to check, but, oh, my God, I would. that's not my first thought, especially no, after watching this nor film. mine. And also I'm like, as much as, I know we're going to jump around a little bit, but as mm. much as, like, I was like, oh, for God's sake, stop screaming, I also was like, <laughs> The audition process for the lead character, the screaming, which she mm. literally does. Like mm. she must have been hoarse for months. Oh god. She, yeah. she screams for 40 minutes of the film. Mm. And and I'm like, all she does is scream. And that poor woman, I just mm. want to imagine what the audition process would have been like. Wow. Anyway. <laughs> the, so teenage Shory had this poster on his wall in his bedroom. Mm-hmm. For many, many really? years. Yeah, it, it is what one of those iconic posters. did you posters. watch it for the first time? <sighs> 13 or 14? Fuck. Wow. Yeah. Holy Jesus shit Christ. Falls. I think this movie is amazing. I think oh, this yeah, is. Oh, yeah, it is. Uh, but like, no, we're not saying it's not. I no, no, watched but, it at that age. No, yeah, sure, I was having sex with. Sure, I was having sex with men, but I absolutely <laughs> wouldn't watch this movie. You didn't was, have this on in the background like I an was, American um, Psycho? <laughs> 
I was smoking. I was smoking ciggies in the in what we called the shelter behind the behind the gym at you're, school. You're the I'm rebel. I'm just imagining M, M with smokes and and bourbon in a coke bottle. Like, yeah, <laughs> no, that was me. You can you can't you can take the girl out of Lilydale, but you can't take smoke the girl. Smoking with the secretary of the high school. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, God. this was um this was one of those ones where. I convinced my mum to rent it for me because I was like, well, I'm doing, I'm watching all these iconic horror movies. She's like, mm, all right. And I watched it and I went, loved it. I thought it was great. I, it's, it's look, it's, it's intense. It's scary, but it's also, it's, it's low budget horror at its, the peak of low budget horror. This is the iconic low budget horror movie. Yeah. I this mean, is- I feel like I, I want to emphasize, Shuri, we're not shocked because we don't think this is a good movie. I'm just, I cannot yeah, yeah. get over that 13 year old. Yeah, yeah. Any 13 uh, yeah. year olds could watch this and be okay <laughs> afterwards. Well, I mean, you're, that's saying that Shuri's okay. And like, well, this is true. <laughs> this is true. We have the evidence here of what happens. When- the there, are, there are 30 episodes now, which we will be handing to uh, a psychologist. <laughs> yeah. So for me as well, while watching Probably it child yesterday, services too. I was, I was actually. In drag throughout the day, I was watching this film and I had to keep stopping at certain points because I was. <laughs> so your, your makeup wasn't doing, like Leatherface's yeah. makeup. Mm. I, I was doing pre-record videos and then at that scene with the face at the table, mm. I was actually done for the day and taking off my makeup. But I knew in the last twenty minutes, I had to. I had my. I'd ordered pizza. It was cold by the time I ate it because there was no way in hell I could watch food while also watching this film. Uh, no. <laughs> no way in hell. <laughs> you don't like um, head cheese. No. no. <laughs> so Vaughn and right. I um, tried to, we actually tried to watch this film um, about a year ago and I, I told you both about this. We started watching it and we noped out after about 10 minutes and I think it's really, I think this says something really important about this film in that we, this film creates a sense of dread and foreboding like I think the way this film builds tension and just a a um a dark quality to it is is absolutely incredible like the fact that we before seeing any gore we were so disarmed and and disturbed by the um just the tone of the film that we were like is a burnt body Oh, even the opening, like the description of like this is based on a true story and then the opening credits, seeing the Oh, my God, I put that out of my mind. It's based on a true story, isn't it? Well, it's based on Ed Gein. Yeah, like but everything about the film right from the start, you were just like I feel uneasy and uncomfortable and and bad, (laughs) bad. Um, Even like the the use of, I mean, because I do think in some ways this, this film, because um, it made me think about you, Shori, being a vegan, because this film uses, <laughs> well, no, because this film does um, yeah. create a metaphor for the way we consume flesh. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot in this film that references the idea around the way we treat um, animals in the farming yeah. process, yeah. that when we, when suddenly we see a human in that position, it seems horrific yeah. and barbaric and absolutely um, morally reprehensible, um, yep. and and we get that that kind of metaphor right at the beginning when they they drive past the abattoir and you see all of the cattle. And it was at that point that I was like, oh no 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 no, like this is. <laughs> I but see they do it, and you're right. They do it. From no, they the do start. it. They do it right from the start, and it's clearly like consumption and flesh is a yeah. huge huge part mm-hmm. of this film. And I find that as someone who is, you know, I I'm a lover of 
animals and don't eat a lot of animal products at all for ethical reasons, that's confronting for me, that that theme, because I see what they're doing and I'm like, oh, this is. Can I ask, is- sorry, based on, I know it says based on a true story, but I put that out of my mind because there's so much in this film. Mm. Well, it's based on a man called Ed Gein, <laughs> who was a, a serial killer um, who created, like he was a, a grave robber as well. Parts of Psycho are based on him as well. Wow. So um, this is quite a had, creative reinterpretation, right? Like it's yeah, not, a, yeah. it's okay, not yeah, about okay, a family cool. or anything. He was just a yeah, guy yeah, who yeah. he robbed graves, made lampshades and things like that out of human okay, bodies. Cool. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then eventually led to him being a serial killer. For He killed a couple of people and then they caught him. But it's the – so when you, there's a part where they go into that room and there's a, you know, there's a couch made out of a human skeleton. There's stuff on the walls. Yes, it's, yeah. It's kind of the sort of shit that he was doing. And, you know, Leatherface making, like, Ed Gain made a suit out of his mother's skin. Wow. And it's kind of like what Leatherface has done with the mask and everything as well. So Jesus. it's sort of they took aspects of him for that. Okay, thank God you of his, gave like, me that explanation because I was like, my brain was going insane. Um, I appreciate that. I'm not even going to lie because there's a lot. <laughs> You're right, Em, there's a mm. lot in this film. There's oh. totally those touches and those tones. I mean, and, even and when she's... The- it's creepy from the beginning in the yeah. van. Like, it's creepy from the start. But it's creepy but, from but the, the flashes of the... It's, it's creepy yeah, yeah, from yeah. 0.01 seconds in. It, the <laughs> film is creepy. It's nonstop. This, and this is the thing I think that is so... One of the things that's so fantastic about this film is it's relentless in, mm-hmm. it, in its... Um, in that tone, like you don't, even though there are breaks in the action, so you do, you do get a break from the horror. You don't get a break from the sense of no. dread um, no. that something is going to, something bad is going to happen. Yeah. Um, it, it is absolutely relentless. And I have to, <laughs> that whole scene in the van at the start where they pick up the hitchhiker, I don't think, I, have, I don't think I've ever yelled at, oh, a, yeah. at a movie so much, like <laughs> yep. kick him out like yes. I was like, what is wrong with you all? How, how have you not kicked him out yet? It took them way too long, way too long. Way too long. I'm to like, is out. this just something about the 70s? I don't know. What are you like? All yeah, man. I mean, probably it probably smoking is. too much ganja. You don't you like, like fuck. Get him out of the van. Um, but yeah, absolutely terrifying. Um, right from the start, th- you're like, well, great. This is this is going to be a ride. <laughs> I think this movie's reputation for people who haven't seen it makes it scarier also Agreed. Than, it, than it Agreed. actually is, if, if that makes sense. Like, it is a relentless and scary film, but I think mm. if you've never seen this movie, the reputation of it being one of the scariest movies of all time, like, I was, the first time I saw it, I was thought this is going to be gory and there's going to be blood and guts. There's really real little gore it's in scary, it. Not- it's scary because of its realism. Like, it's, the yeah. bit that I screamed, can I tell you, the bit that I screamed at the TV was um, when the wheelchair guy was killed because it's like mm. Leatherface just comes out of the dark like <laughs> that and you don't hear the sound of, or anything. And the mm. use of sound in this is is brilliant. Can and I- the thing with it, that happens, I scream and then just keeps on going. Shuri? I I. I'm going to be very, very harsh here. I fucking hate that character. The guy in the wheelchair, oh, yeah, yeah. I want him to die 10 minutes in. He oh, gives me the look. absolute shit. I, I think there's, no, but there's a, a choice within it and there's a conversation about ableism and the way. <laughs> I was about to course. say, there's yeah, 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 a yeah. massive like, piece a about massive ableism way. in this film. Yeah. Of course, they just beat him, but it's just. He's, he, he is annoying. I think, he, but I, I think it's part of it is that the he's grating and I think that also adds to the tension as well. Is completely, that, completely. Hey, man, yeah. shut up. You're obviously in a tense scene. Shut up. Keep quiet. I, do you know what I think? Something might not happen. 
you know what I think as well? Because I think this film uh, thematically is is so fixated on bodies and flesh and and bodily um, autonomy. I think that that character is deliberately um, drawn as <sighs> drawn as kind of. A, a, annoying and hmm. over the top because it kind of speaks to our in, intolerance as a society Maybe. towards um disabled people mm-hmm. i i i i think um i can't be 100 percent sure but i feel like i feel like it was deliberate i feel like there is something that is being said there that that we're meant to be paying attention to um but i do agree like it's he, he's he's grating to watch yeah. um he he is annoying um but but there's a lot of but there are a lot of scenes in this film that you feel, or I feel annoyed at the character's choices. Um, yeah. Like when when our main character is running away from Leatherface in the woods in the dark, Ron and I got to the point where we were like, oh, for fuck's sake, if you don't stop screaming, like, you are telegraphing yourself. Like, stop. <laughs> I know. And, and that was what Chris and I like, were saying as well. Oh, like, my God. Stop well, screaming. Like, listen, that would help. He can't hide because he's got a chainsaw. So you know where he is the whole time. You could be silent. You could just. But also I think part of that, I because there's the logical brain to that, but also when you think she has just been standing there and watched her friend Donna. This the is shop the thing, that she right? goes into. Yes. And let's be honest, she goes into that to the point like, like she just, and, and I will say one of the really interesting thing about all the other kills that we see before then, up until this one, it is literally like he is treating people like cattle. Yes. So yeah. it's, it's, the it's scene not, where he grabs the girl and chucks her on the hook on the, on yeah. the ceiling, yeah. there's a um, there's a meme I'll send you guys where it's- Just um, her trying to get herself off the hook. Oh, oh, there's, oh. There's a oh, meme that's uh, you can, anything's a Christmas decoration if you put a hook on it and it's literally just him- Putting her up onto oh. the hook. All right, we will we will tweet that on the day this episode comes out. But but yeah, and that's the thing. It's like the use of those other deaths. There was, uh, and just like you're saying, him. There's a very big correlation that's done with cattle and process and food. And even though he's terrible and terrifying, unlike this scenario where he literally jumps out at them, chainsaw first, starting the chainsaw, gutting him in the middle of a. It's just like. It's it's a completely different tone to what we've gotten, and yes, then all she does for the rest of the film is scream, literally yeah. scream, and, so the, and the poor actress. But the thing is, what else are you going to do? My well, favorite moment thing. in this whole film is the first time you see Leatherface because that is one of the where they're in the house and they're making a lot of noise, and all of a sudden that door just goes mm-hmm. and he bashes the guy in the head with the mallet, which is call back to the hitchhiker talking and Franklin talking about how they kill the cows. Yes. And he yeah, literally exactly. bashes the guy's skull in, drags him off, <clears throat> door shut. And that's mm-hmm. it. I was just it is like, so I, good. I mm. think it's really important for just me to mention something that's just come through from Alroy, uh, listening in the background to him talking about this. <laughs> in, in quotation marks, you could be silent, Dr. Emma Beddoes, while screaming at the television. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, listen. He heard her say that from the other side of the house. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. I will scream <laughs> at a television, but I tell you fucking what, if I was being chased by someone with a fucking chainsaw in the woods, I would be, this This bitch would be silent. I think what she brilliantly plays is, is the constant trauma, like even not trusting the guy when, oh, he's like, oh, we'll take care of you, and the way he's hitting her with the broom and everything, they treat her. It's that twist again where she's still treated like cattle 
It's mm-hmm. it's and then they torment her and tie her. Like I don't know what's happening. And then it, it's just that it's scene, literally that, then when yeah. she's in the house with all the bones everywhere, and mm. that the grandpa was still alive and oh, sucking her blood. That shocked the fact. Sorry, I, was I like, almost I almost went to throw up just even talking about it. No, I, it's I, I actually got a, it's a visceral reaction. I'm just gonna have. I, I literally no, have some water. I was talking about it. And <laughs> right. I, and I, I, no, yeah, it's just, it's disgusting. No, yeah. Have some water, have or juice, whatever you're having. Um, I, don't know, I, I was, I just, I was yeah. no, no. I, and this is one of the things that's brilliant about this film is, as Shuri said, it's not that gory. And no, going no. into the film, I thought it was going to be gorier than it was. But I, but that's but what by makes the, it. Terrifying. But by the time I finished the film, I was, I didn't feel a sense of, oh, that wasn't as like confronting as I thought. I was like, no, no, that was. Oh no, it's that's definitely exactly confronting. The feeling I had coming out of that film is exactly how I thought I would feel. And yeah. it didn't need to be all that gory. Like I think that dinner table scene, what I really noticed about that sequence, for for a horror movie, for, for any movie, usually there will be, you will have sequences of horror and there are natural breaks from, from the horror where they where there's a, um, a cut to another scene. We might have a juxtaposition of something else happening and then the horror because naturally the, the director wants to create a break for the audience because yes. you need it. That dinner table scene, if you go back, you'll find that it is so long and it is ceaseless. Can I say, it doesn't, that's the it other doesn't thing cut as well. to the anything else. The minute he's chasing her because she's the only character left, mm. I hit pause and I'm like, we've still got half a film. Yeah. Like that, then Leatherface doesn't show up until 40 minutes in too. I've got to, yeah. I'm just going to, I'm going to start, keep talking. Okay. I'm just going to talk less because I literally no, just tried reliving do. it. No, no, no. It's no, my, no, no. I'm just saying reliving the thought of it. It was brilliantly done. The tension is great. Reliving the thought of it is making me feel, no, no, I, feel a little sick. I can actually <laughs> understand that. Like I can, I can absolutely understand that. Um, I think, you know, something that I, I spoke to Von about while we were watching it, even the close-ups of her eye as she was screaming at the, at the dinner table, it is this kind of relentless... Um, there's no catharsis. There's no catharsis. And that's what most horror does. It offers you catharsis at certain points. Yeah. Because there's a, it, we all have this natural need to have a break from the adrenaline, a break from the horror. Um, but that sequence is horrific Ooh. without being super gory and just relentless. It did make me go, I wonder, Oof. like, why wouldn't you try to say something or negotiate or anything? Like, yeah. there was no hope. In such shock. There was no hope anyway. But, yeah, yeah, and, and it puts just... you in a state, and I think, and I actually think this is deliberate because we, Von and I, started out being like, "Oh my god, stop screaming! You're giving yourself away." And then when when she was in the house, we're like, "Oh Jesus, stop screaming! It's just so overwhelming." Yeah. And then I realized after a while, no, that's deliberate because as the yeah. audience member, it gets to a point where again, it's this relentlessness where she has just been screaming for so long, so long. and sobbing and crying that you're starting to feel. <sighs> Yeah, like it's you're amazing. Up, you're up there at that level with her because she won't stop screaming and they're just laughing and it's just like, ha. And it's the like, fact that it's laughing and playing with her food where it hits that twist of one of them goes, I don't like to kill. That he likes to eat, and once again, I'm just holding my chest. And I feel like I'm going to throw up just thinking about it. I didn't even get this sick with Silence of the Lambs. The way my body is feeling. To oh, me. this is far more um, completely I different. But then when she runs out and jumps out the window and gets out when they're trying to get the mm. grandfather to kill her, mm. and she gets out of the window, and it's 
it's it's morning and she's been living this terror all night and she mm-hmm. just starts running and it's the fact that they chase her yeah. but it's still just playing with her mm. like he's literally just playing with her it's it's there's something truly and, awful about it yeah and i have to say that for me that's the scene getting the grandpa to try and kill her i don't i really don't even really want to think no back to that's, it it's that's too not, it's it's making it's, me feel sick yeah, and it's again, it's the metaphor. It's it's yeah. looking at the way we treat. Uh, Chris is laughing at me right now. We while treat we're animals about this and the way I'm we like... yeah, the way we treat animal flesh and the way we uh, ooh, uh, just. Well, I don't play with know. the food before I eat it, but yeah, let's. Um, <laughs> but, keep no, but you know, but you know what I'm saying. I want saying, to touch but... on which blows like, and I love that, and we get to the end where you know he gets hit by a car, uh, a truck, and then the truck driver sees the guy with the chainsaw. This is what always throws me whenever I've watched this. Truck driver sees the guy with the chainsaw, gets into his tra- truck, she gets into the truck, and then they get out the other side. I know, right? Turn on the engine and start the truck. It, oh, what is wrong with them? I agree. I was just like, what? Vaughn and I were like, wait, what are you, What? why are you getting out? What are you doing? What are you doing? And what, what I doing? love as like, well, we never know what happens to him. No, no. Exactly. Well, and and I will say again, I mentioned this in the last episode. Um, that probably you you probably will guess it's part of its namesake. That fantastic book, Men, Women, and Chainsaws, also talks about Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, yeah. To it, and and as as you can probably imagine, like the gendered reading of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, given that Leatherface dresses up as like the mother figure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've got th- there's a lot to to unpack there. So again, just a plug for that book because it's fantastic. Um, he's wearing the face of the friend, isn't he? Um, no, I think he's wearing the face it's, of. Oh, hang on. Is it her friend? Sure. I'm trying to remember. It was a lot. He, when he when he first pops up, it's just a one that he's had. You know. Previous, yeah. here's one I prepared earlier. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't but think it's ever end, explicitly said. No, because I, I thought read it, at the I dinner table. Mean, I thought at the dinner table that he was wearing her friend's face. See, I read it to mean that he was being the mother character. He was playing a mother character to the family because there was wow. no mother figure there anymore. So he yeah. was because they made him because he was he had an apron on and he had a, yeah. a woman's wig. Like I was getting flashbacks to Psycho. I was like, he, oh God, he okay. is the mother. <laughs> he is the mother figure. I mean, because there's a lot about that family dynamic that's very, very you know, oh, yeah. and like just... you know, the psychoanalytical. Lens on it's this. funny. I had no idea I would feel so uncomfortable talking, re-talking about this film, and I really it's, do. <laughs> so, for, for those playing along at home, the, the Men, Women, and Chainsaws is written by Carol J. Clover. Fantastic um, analysis of horror and gender. Um, but the the other thing about this film that I really appreciated watching it because it was the first time I'd seen it, and I knew this was a seminal text, is really getting to see when what we now think of as cliches where they came from. Mm-hmm. This film created so many of the cliches that you know like the bunch of teenagers going out to an abandoned place in the country and and in so many films they even stop on the way at a petrol station and a local tries to warn them not to go to the place and i was like oh my god all of these cliches that this is Mm. where they this is where they came from wow um even even the idea of like um and i don't know if this is the first film that did this but it's certainly turned it into a trope the idea of the inbred hillbillies in the country that are that are cannibalistic and crazy and you know this film Oof. really really made well i mean made it that. made it it made the point so much it made the point and it's it's a fantastic horror film 
you it's know, brilliant. it is. I'm not going to lie. I'll probably never watch it again. <laughs> that um, was going to be my question. Would you ever watch it again? I'll probably never watch it again. I'll I'm, be glad, I, I'm is, glad I watched it. But I'll, The scene that killed me the most is the dinner table scene, and I yeah. absolutely would fast forward through that. So I want to I just flash back to 13-year-old Shuri watching that. Is that why you're a vegan? <laughs> no, 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 truly. I think. No, I think I, I don't know what it was. It was just that. For me, it was trying to find watch all these iconic horror movies, and you know, you've got the, you've got the, you've seen enough, you've seen a lot of them, and you've seen a lot of the PG and M rated ones. You want to up the ante a little bit, and this yeah. was the next step, and it was just the realism you know, in it. I think is what terrifies yeah, me the most, and it, and, it, and it ends with her. She's like, I at the ending when she gets, then there's another truck driving by, and she just gets into the back of it, and the guy just keeps driving, and, and she scream laughs like, the whole way home. But I'm like. Is is she getting into the truck of the wrong person again? Like this mm, is where I was yeah, like, yeah, I know, that, right? I, I, I'm like, is she getting in the truck of the wrong person? And I kept because I'm so used to movie tropes, expecting then to the camera to flip to the driver, and she thinks she's saved, but she's really not. Mm, the, um, so I'm guessing neither of you have seen Texas Chainsaw Massacre two, no, because it is a horror comedy. It's yeah. a very very different film. Um, yeah. it, look, I would say watch it. It's it's got a, it has a bit of fun. There's some interesting and silly stuff in it. It's it's a bit of fun. Um, it's not as good as this one, obviously. It's still mm. this is still, you know. And there's been a bunch of sequels and remakes, and none of them are any good. Um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Next Generation has Matthew McConaughey and Renee Zellweger in it. Really? Um, it's awful. Do not watch that film. Uh, the remake is not bad. The one with Jessica Biel, um, but again, it's just not. It doesn't. Is Jessica Biel the have one the same all the time? Probably. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay. Um, but it's it just doesn't have like there's something there's something almost dangerous about this film too, because of the low budget, because of the effects, because of everything. Whereas when you get to the you know whatever year it was made, the remake, it's it's almost too clean. It's almost mm. too. But then they and go that, for you're like, right. Actually, the way this film is done, it's dirty from the start. Yeah, like, and you don't, it, it a guy really gets his is. leg chopped off it's, and you see it all chopped off. Whereas in this, you don't see that stuff. Like. Even when Franklin cops the chainsaw in the chest, you don't see it. It's dark. You just know what's happening. Mm. Okay, now I'm just going to let, let's throw it back to my mate who's in Sydney and his his review. He goes, okay. um, I'll, I'll just say, all right. So he goes, yeah, I thought it was great for a movie that old. Like, even though you can tell it was very low budget, there was a lot of great cinematography and shots. Like the shot of the girl on the swing as she went into the house panning up to Leatherface at the and then Leatherface at the end. The shots of the girl's eyes during the dinner scene, just amazing. I think it does mm. a really good job of being creepy scare and slash scary with very little. Like all the little touches with the furniture made from bones and limbs. It kind of plays on social fears as well as class fears, like Leatherface's brother at the start. He seems to have some kind of condition or disability that even mm. before he cuts himself kind of freaks out the other people in the van. Mm. Then there's fears of poor country hicks who are kind of backwards and make their own rules and being caught in the middle of that. I think especially for queer people. But I think there's definitely a trans reading of Leatherface in there somewhere with him wearing makeup and other people's faces. It's more queer than I ever thought Thank or originally you. expected. This is exactly what I was about to say. And I was going to say for all of us, but I was specifically going to say, Dean, I think you'd be interested. There's a lot of uh, gendered readings of Texas Chainsaw. And especially there's a scene in the second film, apparently, that that's quite um, iconic in that sense around trans identities in horror. And in this film, um, just around the horror of, um, as your friend pointed out, um, I guess minority identities. So there, there's sort of this 
the horror of being mentally disabled or physically disabled or, you know, transgender or... or yeah, or, so and I at actually, a time when it was still mental disorders and things like that, yeah. so, yeah. So as you've been chatting, I found uh, this little bit that I'm just going to read to you guys because I think it's fascinating, not from that book, um, <laughs> uh, a website called Gaily Dreadful, which is a queer lens on horror films, so how fascinating. But they're talking about Texas Chainsaw here, and I had not read this before, but it says, compared to Psycho and its portrayal of a gender non-conforming character, Leatherface is progressive, while Norman Bates has his blatant tie between uh, his murderous tendencies and his relationship with gender, Leatherface's choices to change roles has absolutely nothing to do with him and his family's deranged eating habits. There's no trying to explain why he changes his masks with some half-assed psychosis or alternate personality mess. Leatherface just does what makes him comfortable. Wow. Which I think is uh, fascinating. So there's yeah. there's a lot to be read into the Texas Chainsaw Massacre um, wow. franchise and and gender and and yeah, but anyway, gosh, what a film! I know we need to we need a breather. I, actually, <laughs> I, mean, I, just, I was going to say I'm just going like, to say it, I need to I need a quick toilet break. So this is a good point. And for I need breather to get anyway. a glass of water. So yeah. great. <laughs> you go, I'm going to go have a toilet break. Do you go that. have a glass of water. And Shuri, you do I'm what still lightheaded Shuri does. even thinking about it, my breathing. I'll be, I mean, I no, can still get hear, some water. I can still hear you, Shuri. We can still talk. I'm all good. In, but, yeah, oh, my God. Okay. All right. So that was that was Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That was a journey. Brilliant film. That was a journey. <laughs> and, now, and now for something completely different. Um, we are on to our second classic for this episode uh, and this very, very different in tone, very different very in different. time. We are talking about Nosferatu. Woo! Woo! I don't I know why you did that. did that. Yeah, just seems appropriate. Vamp- Vampire Count Orlock expresses interest in a new residence and real estate agent Hutter's wife. Yeah. Pretty much it. Okay. No, it's, it's based on Dracula. We all know the story of Dracula. If you don't know the story of Dracula, why are you listening to a horror podcast? Exactly. No, I'm kidding. I, w- I wouldn't be that mean, but go out and watch. Look, this is the joke I made yesterday on the, did that Did that joke get through? The silent, I will do the, you know, we'll do the live action play of this film. And then there was just silence. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it, 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 yeah, yeah. I think they got it. Let's just say and it it's, did. It's, it's, this is a, oh. one of the, it is Hang on, I oh, just no. got it. Did you not get that in oh in yesterday's God. episode? I thought the I can't, joke. I can't. I, I can't. The, I thought the joke was that you were being silent so that then Dean could edit in. Oh my God! Oh my God! You I'm such an idiot. Okay, so first you were silent, and I was like, I don't get it. Which film is silent? And I couldn't think of one. And then I thought, Oh, it's so Dean can edit something in, and now I get it. It's only taken, <laughs> you know, Jesus Christ. Um, it's a journey. <laughs> anyway. Well, welcome. And to I'm the doctor. Moment. Fuck me. Yeah, that's it. You better <laughs> hand that PhD back in. Jesus Christ. <laughs> anyway. As, as, as my wife who has the PhD says, anyone can get a PhD. <laughs> Does your wife have a PhD? Yeah. Yep. I didn't know that. Mm. What's her PhD yeah. in? Uh, environmental science. Wow. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah, there you go. Back to Nosferatu. Um, this is one of it is it is a beautiful film. It is it is a great. Um, I find this one is really good for if you're having like a Halloween party or something. Yeah. Put it on a big screen in the background. 
yep. and just have it because it is a silent film. You can see what's going on anyway, but it just the imagery and the the use of shadow and the the makeup on Orlock and everything. It's just beautiful for nine, you know, especially for nineteen twenty two. Yeah, it's and fantastic. visually, like it, it is, it is visually just a gorgeous, gorgeous yeah. film. Like those iconic scenes near the end of the film with the use of shadow, when Nosferatu mm-hmm. is creeping up the hallway and the shadows of his fingers like extend along the wall. It's gorgeous. It, it is absolutely gorgeous. And again, you know, I think it goes without saying. Look, if you're going to revisit this film or you're watching it for the first time. You're not going to be frightened. Like it does have an eerie tone to it, but you're not going to be frightened. But again, we've said it about other classics. You have to think about the time that this came out and you have to think about how this was, audiences had never seen anything like this. So this would have been genuinely um, very, yeah, extremely unsettling. Um, I I discovered a, a really interesting little tidbit when I was reading about this film. I think it's in Sweden when this film came out, it was banned because it was so scary when it came mm-hmm. out. 1928, I think, is when it came out. Um, it was banned. The, really? the ban on Nosferatu in Sweden was not lifted until the 1970s. What? I know. What? I know, right? Why? I don't know. If they just kind of forgot about it. Like they forgot they banned it. Then they were like, oh, shit, I think we're ready for Nosferatu now. Yeah. Um, but you I think can, we were advanced. You can understand at the time that it got banned in certain places because it was kind of, I guess, kind of like the exorcist in that it was something that of its time it was very confronting and, and people hadn't seen anything like that. Um, but watching it again now, you just, I, I, I just think it's so delightful to see how, um, because it's a silent film, the use of light and shadow and the, the use of cinematography um, is used to convey um, to convey horror and it's done so well it's gorgeous. in this film. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it's beautiful. Um, well, had any of us not seen this before? I, me, I had not seen it. Ah, um, okay. I'd seen, I'd seen scenes and bits and pieces but seeing it all together. Absolutely yeah. brilliant. You're 100% right. Like looking at the way it builds tension and tone. At first I was like, oh, my God, I need my glasses. It's too early in the morning. But <laughs> yeah. um, it's such a different tone to what we've watched and watching it mm. and the music is absolutely brilliant. And you're 100% right. Like the way they cre- use the light to mm. create this, this skill and chill, it's yeah. fantastic. And mm-hmm. I, as I texted you guys at the time when I was watching it, it it's quite, it was quite um interesting and a bit on the nose watching it in the current climate because, um, for those of you who haven't seen it, um, they to begin with all of the the people in the small village where Nosferatu moves to to get access to this this man's wife, um, all these people start dying and they assume that it's the plague. And yeah. there's this this section where a bit of, you know, because it's a silent film, some text comes up on the screen saying something about um, people were starting to be paranoid about their neighbours, like who's sick and who's not, and you need to stay in your home. And I was like, oh, Jesus, this oh, is wow. a little bit. Here we come <laughs> this is, again. I know. I'm like, wow, <laughs> things really haven't changed all that much. No. Maybe it's not COVID. Maybe it's a, like, no, let, let, let's no, not give the, uh, no, yeah, <laughs> let's not give the conspiracy theorists any more fodder. Um, Please. But, yeah, it was quite funny that they're all like, it's the plague, and they're like, and they even think that people turning up with two little fang puncture wounds on their necks is somehow related to the plague. I mean, now if we saw someone with two puncture wounds, we'd absolutely say vampire. Yes. But back then, you know, like why would they think that? 
It's just yes. not the way it'd roll. And let's be honest. I think if all all co- if all people with COVID happen to have two little puncture wounds on their neck, um, that there's no that like obviously it's not what. What? I don't feel but, like, I mean, just for a whole other level of conversation, that vampires would like the blood of people who um, have or have had COVID because I'm in some cases the, the less oxygenation that is existing within them would make their blood less palatable. That is a really good point. That is a really good point. <laughs> and I don't wait, make good wait, points. So you're saying often, getting COVID so... is a good thing to avoid vampires? No, well, I'm not. And I'm here, <laughs> no. that's where we lead. It's absolutely not and everyone should do what they can to protect themselves. But also there's no stigma in people who have gotten COVID either because it's it's a disease that we get through and that's life. Just do the right thing. Do the right thing. Like I am today, the day we are recording this, I'm going to get my second jab and I'm so excited. Anyway, back to (laughs) it. So now getting, like, it's on the same track. Have either of you seen a movie called Shadow of the Vampire with Willem Dafoe? No. It plays on the, there was an urban legend around this film that Max Shrek, who played Nosferatu, was an actual vampire. Because what? of you look at them, you look at the makeup and the effects and everything of the time. And I know it does, it's, it's not real, obviously it's not real, but this movie, mm. Shadow of the Vampire, is. Spoiler alert. Is that, <laughs> is that Sorry, he was I an actual the way we're vampire. Really? Yeah, so the, the movie is about the, you know, because there are stories of people on the cast of the original film going missing and a couple oh. of people died and things like that. And so this plays it up. Shadow of the Vampire it was made in the two, early 2000s. It's actually a really good film. It's fun. It it's, actually um, looks really interesting. Yeah, just to play on that, like, well, no, we didn't hire an actor to play a vampire. We just went and found a vampire. And so, it, yeah, it's really, really clever. But anyway, that's a bit off topic. But, you know, oh. you have people who Tangents even haven't seen this film. If you watch stuff on horror, you you know scenes from this movie. Yeah. You know the yeah. claws, the oh, shadowed yeah. claws. You know this the close up on his face, looking in the window, and all that sort of stuff. Like well, you know like, it. Yeah, it was like Dean was saying. You know, his his housemate Chris watching Psycho with him and going, "Oh, this is the movie with that scene in it." I think Nosferatu is the same. There are oh, scenes exactly where even if people haven't seen it, they would see those scenes and go, "Oh, so this is that movie." It's become iconic. Can I just also say, I think it's so wonderful that we're, I mean, it is brilliant. It sits in classics perfectly, but watching mm. a film like, you know, watching a silent film and the first, because I've had such a busy week, I literally haven't stopped. So my plan was to watch this in bed and because the music. How's it any different from any other stop, week? Yeah, it's been a busy one. <laughs> but, but like, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm just going to, I'm not trying to guilt anyone with this, but editing the episodes while we're trying to get them out takes like an extra oh. hour on top of the run. And no, then I'm no, like, you, you're entitled like, to Ed, when I say this, that. No, I'm not trying. When Ed was, I'm like, I haven't even started watching the films. And Em was like, look, I'm saying 48 hours. It absolutely has been 24. Um, it was like, what do you mean? And I'm like, do you know how much time it <laughs> takes? And Em was like, okay, yeah, fair point. And we had a laugh because it's, yeah, it's that thing yeah. of where I'm like, Doing live streams, doing all oh, this stuff. And, and we are and so I, eternally grateful no, no, no. to you, and honestly. I, absolutely, yeah, that's the thing where I wasn't yeah, trying right. to say that in any way, shape or form. Um, but the thing with it, so my plan was to watch this in mm. bed. And because of the music and because you can just sit and watch it, out like a light and it played all the way through. And then I woke up later and, you know, it's YouTube, so it skips to the next thing and to the next thing. And I don't even know what I was watching by the time I woke up and saw mm-hmm. it. It was someone talking about something. So that's why this morning I had to get up 
and go, okay, I need to, and I actually watched the last film we're going to talk about first to get my mm. head into the game and then watch yes, this yes, before yes. we recorded. And because I, I, I needed to be focusing yeah. and not just because that you have to read the writing. It's not actually that at all. It's because the music is amazing. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and of course, because it's a silent film, but so is the way they shoot it all. You don't want to miss anything. It's really mm. beautiful. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, and and one thing in like terms of I feel of, lucky that we're we're watching and talking about. No, it I agree. I agree. It's absolutely. It's one of those um, movies that I think cinema buffs, not not just genre nerds like us yeah. who are really you know just into horror or whatever. People that are really into cinema love this film as well because it's. I mean, we it, all did study iconic. media in. Well, yeah. In, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and and one thing that um, Elroy pointed out when we were watching this together is that it's nice to see a vampire film because you don't see this as much anymore that really leans into um some of the more original lore around vampires that that, yeah. that the genre has grown to kind of discard so the idea that vampires had to travel with the soil that they were that they were actually mm-hmm. buried in so he has to bring the soil with him in the coffins to to um, retain his power and, and even apparently um, I think I was reading this is one of the first films to um, uh, showcase the idea that vampires were sensitive to light. Um, apparently yep. that wasn't a big part of the mythology prior to that. So, you know, it, it really did set, you know, set the scene for a lot the of. Time, um, yeah. And when you think about, it's just amazing to think where um, vampire films have gone from here. Like, my God. Well, this is one of the things I love about. I love about what we've done with this. I don't want to get nostalgic. That's what tomorrow's episode's for. But when we, we've we looked at such a breath and look at the history of it as well and being able to touch into classics, like it really just the fact that we can keep finding new things and elements within horror and the way mm. it's expressed and the way it's, 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 we can find such breadth in every mm. subgenre. And it's that same thing as well. We just think it just keeps growing. And, and mm. just like we we're talking about with the other films going, imagine at the time people watching this, imagine it with this, like, this is brilliant. Mm. And mm-hmm. it's so good. Yeah. And blowing Absolutely. people's minds. Yeah, completely, yeah. completely. Yep. Absolutely. Well, I think you you mentioned that it it just keeps growing and I think perhaps that might be a good segue to the final film if we're ready. If we're time, are we ready to? Are we ready? Yeah. I think think with Nosferatu there's only so much you can talk about without people having seen the film or it's, you know, it's a vampire story. We know uh, if we move on to our next one. But also watch the film, which I will be putting the um, in the social medias. We're going to put the YouTube link. I just want to say before we start with the next one, because once we start, we're going to keep going down the rabbit hole. When we were picking classics, we were doing our conversation, I literally typed into the internet classic horror films and this came up and this is one that I had yet to see and I've really Mm. wanted to and I was like hey guys can we put this in Mm. and and then we had this great conversation going absolutely and I'm so glad that it's the the last one in this run before we have tomorrow's episode obviously that we're talking about and it kind of makes sense that this is the last one because we did something a little bit different with this one in that we we picked a film that it's a little bit. It's a little bit cheeky. We broke the rules a little bit, but who cares? We we made the rules. Well, we podcast. made the rules. Our yeah. podcast will do what we want. Yeah. Um, and we've got Randy we, with us, so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. So we picked a film that we think. That's is Shory, a, by the uh, way. I just realised Shory did a yeah. thumbs up, and you you can hear us, but you can't see us. Yeah. Sorry. Um, 
No, that's all right. We, we picked a film that we think of as a contemporary classic, so a film that we think in decades to come people are going to look back to and go, that was a classic, this did something and kind of kick-started a, I'm going to say a new sub-genre of horror. Um, and that film is Get Out. So, yeah. Shuri, hit us with the IMDb. So a young African-American man visits his white girlfriend's parents for the weekend where his simmering uneasiness about their reception of him eventually reaches a boiling point. And if I could have, I would have voted for a third term for Obama too. <laughs> Don't suggest. Stop it. It's just, um, can I say, I do, like, yeah, I just have to stress um, because for me, a part of me hates that we can't have this conversation with a person of colour as a part of the yeah. podcast mm-hmm. in regards yeah. to yep. it, like especially in regards to the tone and all of that. It's, yep. it's just this is this is a brilliant work and it's absolutely oh. amazing on mm. so many levels. And what's truly amazing and awful about it is just there's so many elements to it that are just so true and real that we yes. still see mm-hmm. in the world today. And, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm really yeah. glad you prefaced this by saying, you know, we, we, we are not people of colour, and it's important to yeah. acknowledge that, that we're, we're yeah. just we're sitting here talking about it from one perspective, that it's not uh, the most important perspective. But there's a, and there is a much more important perspective to it, that even the film, um, uh, the, they, they do such great work within the film yeah. to portray, and that's one of the reasons why this is absolutely a modern-day classic. Well, and I think, and we we talked about this not on the podcast, but we we watched a uh, the three of us watched a, doc- a documentary recently. Um, I think it was on Shudder about um, the history of people of color in horror films. Yeah, horror um, noir, it's called. Yes, thank you, Shuri. Horror noir, and this was part of what got us thinking about this subgenre of horror, which has emerged in the last maybe five years or so. Um, that is really the the horror of white people. It's really yeah. taken. You know, we've gone from black exploitation films and and this this representation of people of color has evolved to the point where we have this this genre where people like Jordan Peele and uh Nia DaCosta um creating these films that are um turning all of those tropes on their head and really making explicit the the horror of um of prejudice and racism yeah. and all of these kinds of things this isn't it's not just a subtext it's not just sort of woven through this is the it's horror the text. of, of it, yeah, it's, I mean, it's the I, text. I guess with that too, though, is that you with that you can go back to uh, like Night of the Living Dead, which is also mm, part mm. of that. You can go mm. to like there's a when you watch the documentary, they go a fair way back, and there's stuff like uh, Ganja and Hess, and then you move on to like Tales from the Hood, which we covered. Mm. Um, there's a lot of really good African American horror out there that was made, mm. and I think it it kind of annoys me that it's only really getting. If you, if, you know, we're looking at the last five or six years, up to the, the last decade, that there's been really good movies for a long time. Mm. Mm. It frustrates me that they're only just really getting, like this one an Oscar, get out one an Oscar, yeah. and it's really I, one of the first times this has ever happened. Can mm. I say, and I can only speak from my experience when I was younger, and I do remember the very much in the 80s there was, this, this is a, a black film, it's specifically made, you know, even though we've had that all through the 70s and everything like that, it's it's the, with the intention, with the cast, with the tone, with all these different things to it. And, and the thing about it, though, is still there was this celebration of that, which is great, but you understand you're watching something different, but it was just like the white ones. Mm-hmm. While in the 70s, and that that was, you know, in some tone to it all, or if it wasn't, it was something that would sit within the gang violence or something like that. So it was mm. something that as a watcher that isn't a person of colour, there was a comfortable detachment to it. Mm. And one of the things that I think is important about the films that are 
are coming forward now. It's it's not it's it's. I, I, I feel like I'm about to use the wrong word, so I apologise if I do, even in the way in which I'm about to say it. It's not apologetic in any way, shape or form, and that's not even the right word to do it, where its intent is to go, guess what, this is what you do. And while with the other ones in the past, many in the past that have sat within the genres that I've watched growing up or watched when I go back and look at this, it's it's it should feel a little uncomfortable, but it's still the rea- there's a reality there where it doesn't feel uncomfortable enough, and it should. Mm. White people and non-people of colour cultures, the only way, unfortunately, to make people learn, and I'm, I'm going to jump off for a second as well, there's this amazing um, cabaret Now, my brain has gone, I'm just jumping around. They do a wonderful thing with the cabaret where they make this wonderful point. It's here in Victoria. They do shows that elevate people of colour in the cast uh, in every way, shape and form. There are no white people in the cast and they are Mm. not unapologetic about it. But to the point where they also make the point to say, you know, uh, by the way, if you're not a person of colour and you're sitting all at the front in the first third, get to the back because this show is to celebrate that and we want these people to come forward. And it's one of the things that I've always loved about it and they talk about it and let people know it's not done in a frustrating way, but it makes you understand that you are stepping into something and you need to realise that you are part of the problem. And that's wonderful, Mm. wonderful that that these films are making making sure to make us know that Mm. you shouldn't be comfortable with it ever. But it's not just because you did one thing. It's ingrained in everything you do. Sorry, I, I yeah. jumped away. No, no. <laughs> I, I but I think you've made a. I think you've made a really good point. And and again, you know, it, it would, you know, I would love, um, you know, if we if we have you know listeners who 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 are you know if you're a person of color and you're listening to this podcast, we would love to hear your thoughts on on this film and and the history of. Um, of um, horror made for and by or about people of colour, um, but but I do I do agree that um, this is definitely not the first time that people of colour have um, made good horror and horror which presents social commentary. But I do think there is something qualitatively different about what's happening now with these In films. The narrative, yeah, and and I think part of it is because I, I was reading a little bit um, about. Get out because I've seen it several times and and I wanted to read up about the background as well. Um, and something that really struck me is someone wrote about how what we are seeing in Get Out is we're seeing white where that that line I would have voted for Obama for a third term oh. is is deliberate because what they're saying is it's not just the crooked cops, it's not just the 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 racist aunties at the dinner table at Christmas. It is white liberals. It is white, it is people. white people who voted for Obama. It's mm-hmm. people who like to think of themselves as progressive and as um, you know, every like, statement, like it must have been mm. so oh, it's just yeah. I mean, I, I just want to imagine him being on the set. Like there's that whole run with all of it. Every statement, every comment, everything mm. that's said, every single time. Yeah. And not to mention, rolling. like, it it is just a fucking great film. Just yeah, so much fun to watch. The pacing is perfect. Like just the opening, the opening to this film is fantastic. Like the way that it is switched up, like right from the beginning, it's flipping the script. We have got um, a a black 
guy walking alone in a a well-lit white middle class, as he says, suburb, um, that he's, you know, really like, oh, God, why have you got me out in this this suburb? And usually we would have in a horror film or, or maybe not even a horror film, but you'd see like the white woman in like a dodgy in the hood or a dodgy part of you know considered a dodgy part of town we've got this like completely reversed straight away and he is clearly uneasy in a white middle class neighborhood he Mm. he feels uneasy and unsafe um as he as turns out as he should um and even like that song that's playing when the car yeah. pulls up, run, it's rabbit, yeah, run, very rabbit. predatory. Um, it is just yeah, this film from from go to woe, like and the the little moments, like when our main character is strapped to the chair, um, and he's he's going to be played the the mind thing that makes him oh, yeah. go into the sunken place, and he ends up um, what he's picking out of the chair is cotton. That's yeah. not. That's that's a deliberate reference. He he's Absolutely. he's picking cotton and and stuffing it into his ears so that he's not impacted by the the mind thing. Um, it, it's just it's just incredible. Um, you know, apparently the 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 girlfriend is deliberately meant to be. She's meant to seem like the final girl. Um, and yeah. so it's a, it's a deliberate twist on what we would usually see as the final girl. She she's actually this deranged. Um, killer. It's, yeah. And so this and this is what's brilliant about this film. Like it, you, it feels uncomfortable from the start. Mm. It feels uncomfortable in every step and way. The there's there's nothing comfortable about it. But the way they even do it, where like it, where she's like saying to the cop, "No, you don't have to do that. You shouldn't have to do this. You shouldn't have to do any part of it." And the fact that this is their life, this is what they do. Mm. You know, they they she finds black men. Mm. you know, brings them back to the family for the grandfather thing and random people all vote on that black one person and who's going to. And this is the part that blew my mind. So when that explanation is we take a part of our brain and put it into your into you. Mm. So the thing for me about it now is that so that the white people are dead and they're living in the black people? Well, their bodies are dead, um, yeah. and they're, they're it, living in, it, the, in the black yeah. people. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's kind of like it. It's just like a jacked up version of slavery. They're just enslaving it's that their thing bodies. As well, where the the grandfather's running, and and the, uh, it's just there's so many. I feel like I'm jumping around like crazy already, and I can't help it because we're going to with this. It's so they put themselves in the minds of the black people. In the bodies of the black people. Sorry, sorry, in the bodies of black people. Yeah. And it's just like, holy shit boy. Yeah, so the idea is for, for those, anyone who hasn't seen it, and there's spoilers coming up and, and you should just absolutely see this film. Sorry, um, yeah. But but the idea is that there's a bunch of um, very, what we would think of as liberal white folk, So and this is the whole point, white folk that we would think of normally as woke, um, who are very middle class, white folk, vote for Obama, da 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 um, They, uh, the dad is um, a, a surgeon or s- s- some such Something. some such thing, um, and the wife is a hypnotherapist. And what they do is they get their daughter to prey on um, black men, or as we see in the photo, sometimes women, um, she starts a romantic relationship with them, brings them home, and then they, the wife, who's the hypnotherapist, performs this therapy on them, which um, transports them into what they call the sunken place, where their consciousness retreats into this kind of dark void. Um, and then the idea is the husband does this surgery. I mean, 
you're not meant to think too hard about the science. No, 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 no. That's not the point. But the husband does this surgery where um, the white person's, they, they put part of their brain or their whole brain into the black person's body. So essentially these white folk who are who have got, you know, maybe they have disabilities or like one of them is blind, you know, or they're just getting older and they want a new lease on life, um, get to inhabit this fresh, young, black body. But the idea is that the black person's consciousness is still aware. But and it's so it, you, yeah. they're aware that whole time, but they can't take over. Um, and what happens in one of the scenes um, when they first get to this place, there is another person of colour and our main character is like, oh, God, finally, like another, you know, I, I can I can sort of like relate to you, like, and he he's tries to like start a conversation with him and he seems really stilted and kind of um, stuffy and he finds that a bit disarming. And at one point he he gets given a camera and is asked to take a photo for someone. And he takes a photo and the flash accidentally goes off and the yeah. flash no, he's, he's doing it secretly, isn't he? Oh, that's oh, I can't remember, but, but I feel like at he's some doing point, it secretly. a flash goes off on a camera and it does something in the guy's brain. And for a second, this the original inhabitant who's stuck in the sunken place, he's he manages to get control of the the front brain just for a second, and yeah. then you see him suddenly kind of go what and that's when he turns to him and says get out get out um and he's just like what and they try to go oh you know he's he has seizures don't worry about it this was just they try to explain it away um and it's it's all and i forget the actress's name who plays the the maid she's fantastic she's brilliant and this is this is this is the thing about it so that was what was confusing me a little bit when i'm like okay there's the maid so is the maid's not one of them but the maid's hypnotized that's right. Yeah. So the maid is, I think, their grandmother. Because I think what was confusing me, ah, okay, the maid's the grandmother. I yes. think the thing that was confusing me was that um, I was like, oh, the other person stays alive a little bit in the explanation. So the other person's alive. So in my mind for a second, this is, I mean, I was so engrossed by this. I I, mm. I can't stress this enough, everyone. This film is so excellent. Do you? There's no reason to get bogged by, down by the science. No. And it doesn't. But where my mind went to was maybe the woman with the younger guy, the woman was in his mind as well. So I thought you were living in two, two bodies maybe. But actually that's not the case. Oh. Um, and it was just a fleeting thought as it kept on going. But this is it's just so good. And the way in which it works it as well is, you know, you know everything is wrong. You know mm-hmm. this is not okay. When he walks upstairs and everyone just stops talking, the silence, it's just the, yep. the shock the show that people are doing and the fact that they're actually bidding on a person. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, is unfortunately not a new yeah. narrative in regard to how people of colour yeah. are treated. And and watching these, and these white folk gaslighting this, yeah. this guy over and over and over again is so, oh, it's so uncomfortable. And, and it's one of those things where, you know, you watch it as a white person and I sort of think, well, I'm meant to feel uncomfortable, you know. This is this is because this is a reality for, yeah. Yeah, it's just and it's just that's the thing. It's those constant microaggressions that happen every day, or commentaries that are said so yeah. constantly um, yeah. that that still exist constantly. And then the ad- and one of the things I loved as well is the way in which um, 
the kills like he when he get put gets the cotton in his mouth so it's it's not gratuitous like so many of the horrors mm. or gore or things that we've seen it's like i'm getting out i mm. do get a bowl a bloody bowls ball and whack your son's head in i mm. do i do literally get the gear and just stab him and keep moving i mm. you know it's it's this constant mm. thing of you know it's not about trying to survive or anything it's like fuck you fuck yeah. you yep. each and every one of you and what you mm. put me through and what you chose to put me through how yep. fucking dare you yep. and and it's it's brilliant and amazing and wonderful and great but it's mm. also that thing as well where i i know at the point and and it was that uh, when you when we were talking about I think in yesterday's episode about or maybe in today's episode about the narrative of um, the the girl that's scared and all those different types of things and what and the history of women the history of women and that scared girl and the commentary and and when and the way the actress who plays the daughter who is literally like a praying mantis it, mm. it's it's just so whoa and mm. she the way in which she does this and rolls with it and, mm. and guides him and helps him and supports him in, in it not being okay. And, and, and the then, way she... And, even- and, and then when he sees the photos, so we know, mm. he, you know, he knows and he's just mm. trying to get out. And she's like, I can't find my keys, I can't find my keys. And at that point I was like, you bitch, because mm. I know you're playing. I know mm. you're not concerned, unlike every other bit. And I'm watching it. And for a second during it, I was like, oh my God, maybe she's hypnotized to do this. And then, and then mm. when and it, it went for like another three more seconds, and I was like, no, it's not that. I'm not going to feel, no. feel yeah. bad for the white girl. And as it kept on going, the minute she holds up the keys and goes, you know, I can't do that, I hit yeah. pause. I hit pause, I went outside to the balcony and I was like, you fucking bitch. Yes. And then I came back because Chris was still asleep <laughs> and I came back and was like, all right, I'm going to hit on pause. Mm. But I just had to scream at that moment to go, you but are But you sorry. know what? That's what we've been trained to do. We've yeah. been trained to watch horror films and feel sorry for the white girl. And this is assume... why this is brilliant. Exactly. I don't trust so white I... women. <laughs> <laughs> but that's but that's what we've been trained to do, right? Like yeah. we've been trained to be like mm-hmm. something's she, you know, she's she's been hypnotized or she's she she really doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. And that's what makes this again, it's like fucking with the with the tropes that we're so used to. And then oh my god, cut to that scene of her sitting on her bed eating cereal, just like casually listening to pop music, planning the next like kill. I'm just like, oh my God. Yeah. And it because it's also, I think what's great about that moment is it's such a white girl moment. Like yeah. uh, the kind of scene you'd see in any she could have been sitting there watching Grey's Anatomy. Do you know what I mean? Like listening to pop music and, and just eating cereal or just scrolling social media. But no, she's planning the next person that she's going yeah. to she's you know kill. her victim. Um but one thing and I the- wanted to sorry I was just wanted to point out that I think something that's also done really cleverly in this film is that even the so the family almost seems to into at the beginning almost too perfect like they're so they're such woke white people and, and I don't it's, think just like, yeah, yeah. it's not even that like the minute the dad talks I'm like oh for god's sake well like, no 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 but what, what I was going to say is when the when the brother turns up because he is a piece of work and you can tell right from the beginning like Jesus this kid is um he 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 plays that role so well but yeah. when the brother turns up and they're at the dinner table and he starts talking about like with your what does he say like with your with your kind of body or your race or your ancestry you should totally get into this sport and he's like what like even those moments of subtle racism they actually in to a, to a degree make him more comfortable in in thinking that maybe there's not anything going on because that's normal 
That's yeah, what you would that's expect. That's normal behaviour for him. It's yeah. just like, fuck. Like, this is so, uh But it's that added thing of then when she's like, oh, my God, and him putting you in a headlock, it's like they know exactly what they're doing. They're, like, it's yeah, truly, it's all an act. It's like they know awful. what they're doing. Yeah, and I mean, and I'll be honest, it, I just got it. This is the thing. I think I was so like my mind is so warped about it. Now that you've put it together, so yeah, we have the grandma and the grandpa mm. who are pretending to be the workers in the house. And yes. oh my god, okay, cool. It's just yep. it was so much, and I was just so angry at watching it. And I'm mm. not, you know, like imagine what it's like for people who live it every day. But yep. yeah, yeah, well, yep, it's brilliant. <sighs> It's absolutely, yeah. absolutely brilliant film. I feel like we've talked a lot. Shory, do you want to I say? I know, Shory, do you want to say? Yeah. Oh, no, you guys said it a lot more eloquently than I would have been able to put it. Um, <laughs> look, it's a, it's an amazing film. What, the thing that made me laugh the like when I heard about this film was that I'm not sure if either of you have ever watched Key and Peele, the sketch yes, show. Yes, yes. And yep. I just thought, oh, yeah, it's the guy who jokes about smoking weed and calling yeah, yeah. black women bitches and all that sort of stuff, and it's – so I thought, well, oh, this is going to be interesting. And to make such an amazing film. But yeah. you guys know that the in the original script, at the end of the movie when you see the flash of lights, it was going to be police and the yes. main character was going to prison. He was going to go to prison for the murders of everybody. Mm, I read about that. Really? And they sort of changed it because it was like, well, no, we need a little bit of an uplifting. Ending. I mean, okay, so we haven't really talked about the ending. Thank God. So during the course of the whole film, his friend is like, bitch, what are you doing? Like, his friend what? is the most amazing comic relief ever. Oh, completely. Thank And thank God we have it. But yeah. also his friend is, is constantly like, well, you're going to the white girl's house. Like mm-hmm. you're doing this. Like I wouldn't stay there. And he's, he's telling him everything he should know. And even his, yeah. when his friend goes to the police, yeah. And the police are like, mate, like, come on, like, this is just a laugh. Because he's going, they're selling them to be sex slaves or something, which is what I thought, which mm-hmm. is why where my brain was like, what, what? So I didn't mm-hmm. 100% get exactly what happened. But it, and then he is a, a security guard or something or a cop, TSA. Yeah, TSA. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's TSA? So like the uh, airport security. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So he has a car with flashing lights, so he fucking drives to the house. Mm. And then at the end, it's just he sees flashing lights like the cops. And, yeah, I assumed it was the cops and then it's Mm. his friend. And Mm. then even when they get in the car, I actually thought they got into the back of the car. So they were. I I didn't think that they were sitting in the front, everything. Like, it's just like, whoa. Mm. And and then it's his friends who's just come to get him. And, oh, my God, how interesting. Now I want to find articles and read up on the reality that they were going to make it be he gets Mm. out Mm -hmm. and still goes to prison. I like them. Moment, and it's so incredible. The moment that the white girl she just goes like oh. snaps straight into action when she thinks it's a cop and starts being like, Oh my god, help me! I'm like, Oh god, this is too real. This is too, <laughs> too real. But this is the thing, and this is what's brilliant about the way they do the kills as well like the bit with the mother. Mm. The bit with the mother and then the bit with her where she's like, I did love you, and he knows it's not true, and he's act he she's been shot and he puts his hands around her neck. Mm but stops himself from killing her because she, and and then she does that. It's so, yeah. yeah. And I yeah. love, and, and I'll be honest, like I, I love it more than, and yes, I, I thought when the lights happened, oh my God, the cop's going to arrest him and there mm-hmm. you go. I love it more knowing that she is going to lie there and bleed to death because in the morning she won't be, yeah, she'll, yeah. there's no, no one to help her because yeah. her entire support network yep. are dead. And the fact that yep. we we don't rather than a final girl, we've got two final black dudes, which is yeah. just fantastic. It's brilliant. It's so brilliant. for people who who want to go um, watch some more really good uh, African American centric horror, like you've got Night of the Living Dead, which has one of the best. Is Dwayne Jones 
as the one of the main characters in it, which is amazing. Gunja and Hess, which is a vampire film. Uh, Death by Temptation, which is uh, another really good uh, African-American horror film. There's just so many. Like, we did Tales from the Hood. Uh, yeah. Us is great. We did, I was about you know, to say, Us is, is the, another Jordan Peele film, which is quite good. If you want, uh, like, a slasher sort of film, there's Bones, which has Snoop Dogg playing a gangster from the 70s, which is doesn't sound good, is a lot of fun is great fun like there's so many of them and i i implore you to watch horror noir on shutter yeah, it is horror a noir fascinating is documentary they dig right into you know they talk about they get a lot of uh, african-american directors on there they talk about mm. they get tony todd and they get people like that on there uh, ernest dickerson and they talk about seeing mm. dwayne jones in night of the living dead for the first time and they talk about Candyman, and they talk about all well, these I was sorts say, of movies I can recommend it's amazing you. The new Candyman film by Nia DaCosta is is actually really good as well. Um, I watched that recently, and it's it's much like the original Candyman. Um, definitely has um, this layer layering of social commentary in it, um, but it is it's amplified in that sense that we've been talking about with Get Out. With mm-hmm. it's, it's much more um, apparent and central to the story in the remake of Candyman, and they they reference the original Candyman film in a very clever way. Like the the intertextual references are. Um, it's really clever and it's subtle, good. so that's a that's mm-hmm. a good one to look at as well. Well, you know what? I feel like <sighs> there's, and then there was one more. There's only one left. Oh, no. Not the final girl. It's the final episode of a 31 Days of Horror tomorrow. Now, what we're excited for is because tomorrow's film at recording this, we currently don't know what it's going to be mm-hmm. because, as listeners will know, or anyone follows on our socials, we've let you pick the last film we're going to review. Uh, so we we don't know what it is yet because in recording this, we haven't actually put the list together yet. Um, so tomorrow we get to record our final film and uh, also have a look back on on the trip that has been putting together the 31 Days of Horror for this podcast, which is going to be pretty exciting. So expect a lot of fun, a lot of movie talk, a lot of nostalgia, and um, I reckon we should dress up because it will be Halloween. (laughs) As if if that's not going to happen. I'm all ready over it. Yeah, so we're ready to rock and roll. Okay. Well, I guess we'll see you all tomorrow. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. 